in the year 1464, the committee who were in charge of the cathedral in Florence, Italy, decided to commission uh, an artwork, uh, a large sculpture of King David. And so they ordered in a huge, expensive slab of marble and an artist named Agostino began on the project, but soon after he started, he quit. So they commissioned another artist, Antonio Rossolino. But when he saw the poor quality of the marble, he didn't even bother starting the project. It wasn't until 25 years later that they finally commissioned another artist. This time it was a young man, 26-year-old, named Michelangelo. <laughs> and after almost three years, uh, Michelangelo, he, he chiseled out of that same piece of marble what we now know as David, one of the great sculptures of any periods of history. Now, why was it that Michelangelo could create something so beautiful from this piece of marble when others couldn't? He answered that question. He said that he saw the angel that was in the marble and he said he just kept carving until he set him free. So the other artists, they could only see the limitations in the marble. Michelangelo, he saw the beauty and he saw the potential that was beyond the limitations. He saw what the others couldn't see and that became his reality. Even science now, hundreds of years later, seems to suggest that what we see really matters. As humans, what we tend to do is we move towards the dominant picture that's in our minds. What we see and what we think about most often influences and shapes our lived experience. Now, I share this story to highlight a really important way that God wants to work in our lives, and that is by changing what we see. Over and over again in the Bible, we see how God is trying to help humanity to look beyond their failures and their limitations, to see the bigger picture, the bigger purpose, the bigger potential for our lives. God is constantly trying to expand our vision so that he can expand our hearts and ultimately expand our lives. And, and today we're given three examples of God doing this in the life of real people. The first example is in our first reading uh, with the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah here today, he's, he's sharing this profound vision he had of God. Right? He says, I saw the Lord seated on a high throne. His train filled the sanctuary and there were angels surrounding him and they were all crying to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Does that remind you of a, a prayer we say in our mass? Holy, holy, holy. He has this profound experience of the beauty of God. But in that experience, he goes on to say, he suddenly realises the truth of his heart. He realises his sinfulness, his inadequacy, his limitations. Now, this is, this is a very normal and an important response that we all should have when we come to encounter the goodness of God. When we get in touch with God's beauty, it should profoundly humble us. 
When we come into the perfect light of God's presence, we will become more aware of our failures to love. That's a normal response. That's a good response. But do you notice that God doesn't leave Isaiah in that place? That's the thing, right? Sometimes when we notice our failures to love, our, our, our sinfulness, our limitations, we can get stuck there, can't we? That's all we see. We can't kind of get beyond it. But God doesn't let Isaiah stay there. Immediately, when Isaiah has that awareness of his sin, God sends an angel to him and the angel touches his lips with a piece of coal to take away that sin. And then suddenly, as soon as God does that for Isaiah, suddenly Isaiah hears God's call on his life. He hears God asking, who shall I send? Who will be my messenger? Hint, hint, Isaiah. And Isaiah responds. He says, here I am, send me. Suddenly, Isaiah could see the bigger picture for his life. And that made all the difference for him. You see, when Isaiah could only see his wretchedness, God could see his purpose and his potential. And God called that out of Isaiah. Just like Michelangelo called David out of that slab of marble. The second example we find in our second reading today with uh, St. Paul. Now, like Isaiah, uh, St. Paul was also very conscious of his own sin and his failure and his unworthiness. Today he says, I hardly deserve the name apostle. I persecuted the church. I put Christians to death. I'm the least deserving of being used by God as an apostle. But then in the same breath, he says, but by God's grace, that is what I am. I am an apostle of God. He too had come to discover God's vision for his life that was beyond his limitations, beyond his failures. If you ever think that your sin and your failure and your limitations disqualify you from God using you, from living a big life, then just look to St Paul. I mean, you can't be a bigger failure than he was. <laughs> Even though his limitations were pretty major, God made a way for Paul to see beyond them. And the way that he did that was by blinding him. You know the story. He encounters Christ on the road and, and that light blinds him. Sometimes God has to sort of take stuff away from us. Sometimes we need to let some stuff go in order to really open up to God's vision for our life. That's exactly what happens to Paul. He's blinded. But then, of course, three days later, he was healed and he doesn't only regain his physical sight, but more importantly, God then helps him to see a whole new meaning, a whole new purpose, a whole new potential for his life. And with that new sight, Paul then goes on and literally changes the world. This brings us to our third example, which we find in the gospel today. Peter and his crew had just been fishing all night and they caught zip, <laughs> nothing. You can imagine how they would have been feeling. Professional fishermen catching nothing. I'm sure they were very conscious of their failure. They were probably a bit embarrassed too. You know, they were bringing home nothing that day, nothing to their families. 
But then Jesus comes along and he gets into their boat, which is another way of him saying, I'm jumping into your world. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping into your failure. I'm getting right into your limitation. And from then, he begins to teach them. From the midst of their failure, as he enters into their world, into their boat, Jesus teaches them. He opens their minds to a different perspective, to a different vision for their lives. And as soon as he does that, he gives them the order to to drop the nets again. And they catch such a huge number of fish that both of their boats start sinking. Now, can you see the pattern here? Just like Isaiah and just like St. Paul, God used Peter's failure as a pathway to a whole new fruitfulness in his life. Understandably, Peter was a bit overwhelmed by this, right? When he saw what Jesus did for him, he fell to his knees, conscious of his unworthiness. It can be so hard, can't it, at times, just to receive God's gift to us. It's so humbling when God does such great things for us and we totally don't deserve it. But there, whilst he's on his knees, Jesus reassures Peter, and he does the same with us. He says to Peter, don't worry about your failures. Don't let them limit you. I'll deal with them. What I want you to focus on now is your bigger purpose, because you're not just going to be catching fish anymore, but you're going to be catching people for God. Isaiah, Paul, and Peter, they all discovered a new vision, a new meaning, a new potential for their life through their experience of failure and weakness. What if this is also possible for you? What if God wants to use your limitations, your failures, your sinfulness as a way to bring you into a whole new level of purpose and fruitfulness in your life? What if, just like with Isaiah and Paul and Peter, God sees something in your marble that you can't even see yourself? Will you allow God to show that to you? See, today's readings really are all about the miracle of God's mercy. That's what mercy does. Mercy is the quality of God's love that makes a way through all of the limitations of our lives. God sees our failure. He sees your failure. He knows it all much, much better than you do. But in his mercy, he also sees through your failure. He sees beyond it. God sees deeper down in you to the truth of who he has created you to be, to who you really are. And that's what God is desperate to show us. The key for us is to open ourselves to the mercy of God, right? Just like Isaiah, Paul and Peter. Here's the thing, it's so profound and really hard to describe with words, but I'll do my best. When we allow God to see through our failures and limitations, we start to see what God sees in us. 
it's, it's kind of like as God, as God sees through us, we see through God's eyes, something like that. God shares his vision with us and we, we begin to open up to the truth of who we really are, of what God is re- really calling us to. You know, there, there are so many insights and tools and strategies these days to help us to live well, and, and many of them are very good. They're helpful. But only God's mercy can turn our sin into a pathway towards purpose and potential. Only mercy can truly set us free from our limitations and open us up to a new vision, to a new fruitfulness in our lives. So how do we open up to this life-changing experience of God's mercy? Well, we just follow the same pattern as the guys in our readings today. Like Isaiah and Paul and Peter, the first thing we need to do is just acknowledge the truth of our hearts, of our lives. We need to be honest with ourselves about our limitations, about our failures, about our sinfulness. We need to acknowledge all those reasons that are kind of rolling around in our minds why we can't flourish, why we can't be happy, why God can't use us. That's the first step, just to acknowledge, just be humbly honest with ourselves. The second step is to invite Jesus into the boat into our boat, into our world. And there are many ways we can do this. Coming to the sacrament of reconciliation is a very powerful way that we can invite Jesus into our boat, right? It might just be in our personal prayer time, uh, reflecting on the scriptures, just in our own minds and hearts, just saying, Jesus, come into my boat, come into my world, come into this situation, come into the reality of my heart right now. That's the second stage, just to invite Jesus in the boat constantly. Thirdly, What we need to do is open our heart to God's vision for our life. You see, if we keep inviting Jesus in the boat, and if we're honest with him, then over time he will gradually help us to see what he sees in us. It'll happen if we're attentive, if we're open. Like Isaiah and like Paul and like Peter, when we become conscious of God looking through our limitations and failures, that experience alone is enough to change our life forever.